0: Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes, also known as Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, the new Google Podcasts app, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Los Angeles, my guest is a record executive, producer, promoter, and manager who is currently the CEO of SRI Label Group, He has worked with artists ranging from Sammy Davis Jr. to John Lennon, and he has licensed recordings worldwide and works as a consultant to several major music labels. Last year, he put out a hardcover book called Doing It on the Downbeat. You've been hearing a song that he produced for SRI Jazz called Laughter in the Rain by Ray Brown Jr. and Kim Hoyer. It's my pleasure to welcome to now hear this entertainment, Shelley Liebowitz. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you doing? Wonderful. Shelley, welcome. Really great to finally talk to you. It's a pleasure to be here. I really uh, respect your work. Thank you so much. Before we get started, Shelley, during the intro, as I mentioned, we were playing a song called Laughter in the Rain, which you produced. Tell the listeners about that.
1: Well, that was an all-star duets uh, album we did with Ray Brown Jr.'s Cheryl's son. And Dr. Brown, uh, Dr. Brown, I'm thinking about Soda now, uh, <laughs> Dr. John, Dr. Lonnie Smith, Deion Woolwick, uh, James Moody, uh, Sophie B. Hawkins, Melba Moore, we had uh, Paul Williams, a group of people, and that's one of the songs from the album. It's, uh,
0: it was a treat to do. Uh, set the record straight because I'm familiar with the Neil Sedaka version of, this, of that song, So. Did his come first or did this one that we just played come first?
1: Oh, Neil's came first by many years. <laughs> uh, this is this was done a couple of years ago. Neil's was done, uh, I believe,
0: 67. Okay, okay. Well, Shelly, I really didn't even come close to doing your career justice during the intro. I mentioned artists ranging from Sammy Davis Jr. to John Lennon. But wow, also on the list, prepare yourselves, listeners, Count Basie. Ella Fitzgerald, Dean Martin, the Rolling Stones, Frankie Avalon. <laughs> Some people might get to work with one legend in their career, but you, my friend, have been with enough to fill up a music museum.
1: I, I've been very lucky. I really have. I always look at it, I've been very fortunate. These people have allowed me uh, to work with them. You know, uh, it was always a treat. You know, we we'll work with Dean Martin or Frank Sinatra, you know, and... I was a kid in Sammy Davis, I was working at, matter of fact, I was working at Roulette Records and uh, I had met uh, Count Basie and then I met Sammy Davis Jr. And Sammy said, what are you doing this weekend? And I said, I didn't have plans. So he said, why don't you come to Vegas with me? I had never been to Vegas.
0: You were, you were where at the time?
1: I was working at Roulette Records. It was the 60s. I, was, I, I, I think it was 19. And end up going to Las Vegas, and it was a Rat Pack show. Mm. I had no idea. And there, there was Frank Dean, Sammy. It was just incredible.
0: Amazing, amazing. Yeah,
1: I, I was. I've been fortunate, and then you know, between that and the rock stars, because I was uh, doing promoting and producing rock acts, and then I started doing some jazz acts as well. So it's been it's been a good ride. I've been very lucky.
0: And and on that note. Uh, no pun intended, (laughs) you worked with, with the best of the best over the years, but you have also watched the music industry change greatly to the point where you witnessed LPs to then CDs to now people are just buying music digitally. And as radical as those changes have been, though, doesn't it still just always come down to songs that will sell regardless of the format that the public is consuming them through? It's always going to
1: come down to the talent. If you don't hear something you like, it doesn't matter what it is or what format it is. You know, music is something that touches your life. We have a a connection to a song that gets triggered into our memories. And we hear something that we like and we we become attached to it. It wouldn't matter if it's on um, an acetate, a 78, a digital file, that doesn't matter. The quality is different. In terms of sound itself, mm-hmm. but a great song in a great arrangement and a great performed well is still going to be a really, really good song. You know, you can take crap and do whatever you want to, it's still going to be crap.
0: <laughs> you can
1: only polish an apple to, to be an apple, you know
0: what I mean? Yeah. Well, do you think that we missed out on anything because of? the great technology that we do have now and the way that music was being recorded back then in terms of, you know, boy, if the technology that's around today was around when the Count Basies and the Ella Fitzgeralds were there, or, or, or is it, you know, their music stands the test of time regardless of how it was recorded.
1: I think it's more the other way around with things. Uh, Years ago, what would happen is you couldn't fix something. You had to be able to do it right. Hmm. Time. Because in the old days of tape, you kept re- recording over the tape before before the years where you could even punch in. So if you made a mistake, you had to stop and, and start again. People were very well rehearsed before they went into the studio, mm. but also because of that, um, people worked harder. You know they really did. Uh, I think that the other things that have changed. You know in the, in the early days, well, the record companies found nineteen ways to rip somebody off. You know, it wasn't about anything other than let's you churn them and burn them, you know, uh, they didn't care about the artist. Uh, and now there's no artist development. In the earlier days, when we signed people to a contract, it was artist development. We worked with an artist and sometimes for, for a year or more before we even released anything. Because we wanted to make sure that the people that we signed that we believed in because we believed in their talent would be showcased in a way where their talent would be showcased. You know, it's, it, we polished that apple. You know, you taught somebody the best way of doing something, had vocal coaches work with people and best greater arrangers and everything else to make sure that something was really good. And you know what? That's why so many of those people lasted for so many years. It wasn't a time of one-hit wonders.
0: I'm glad that you're bringing this up because I, I wanted to look closely – at a couple subjects that you have been vocal about. Although, listeners, I want to first put the disclaimer out there that Shelley very much is an artist advocate. But that being said, Shelley, just continue this. Uh, Just talk about your your criticism of the modern recording industry and specifically the focus on short-term contracts and, like you just said, the lack of artist development.
1: Well, I think it started in the 1970s. when most of the labels decided everybody needs to be able to write because they wanted to own the publishing, And not everyone is a songwriter, let's be honest. You know, in the old days, the reason we had basically songwriters who weren't performers for the most part, and performers who, for the most part, weren't songwriters. And I remember when I would go to the Brill Building every day and go to the different songwriters there, what do you have today It brings stuff back to the artists who were working with whoever mm. was... You know, Bert, Brackrack and Hal David with Carol Kane, Jerry Goff and whoever it was. Those people were supplying songs. Nowadays, everyone thinks he can write a song. And, you know, everybody probably has a song in them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But not everyone can write great song after great song. Not everyone is a Brian Wilson who they could burn out by pushing him to do hit after hit after hit after hit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not what is. You know, And I think what happens... Is it? It's a disservice to a lot of artists because there are a lot of great performers who are not necessarily songwriters, and because they don't have that great song brought to them by an outside songwriter, sometimes we we miss as a pub as the public we miss out on great performances from some people. You know, and it's it just I want to see artists do the right thing. You know. They, they believe in self-publishing. That's all wonderful, but music publishers serve a purpose. They audit everything. They make sure all the uh, royalties are paid in. They also play songs with other artists to record. So they have their purpose. Same thing as, you know, that people say you don't need record companies anymore. Yeah, you can get stuff out there. You're not going to go directly to iTunes or Spotify or other places because they don't want to deal with every independent artist. So you're gonna to have to go through somebody, but somebody reason for purpose for a label. Who's gonna do the promotion and marketing? Who's gonna work radio? Who's gonna do those things? It doesn't happen automatically.
0: Well, Shelly, what changed? What, what? Why is there a lack of artist development? What? What? What, what do you think was the cause so what, of it's this? Simple. Lawyers. Hmm. Lawyers got into the music
1: business lawyers started controlling what was being done. You know, and it came down to how can we screw them? How can we get the most out of it? We don't care about them. We don't care if the artist is there tomorrow.
0: Okay, okay. I
1: know, I know, I've told a lot. I've shown artists where they're being burned and they don't know it. Mm. Lawyers, they go to quote-unquote music attorneys. Mm Mm-hmm. Most of them have never worked inside the music business. So because of that, they say, oh, you're getting screwed on royalties for, for free goods, or royalty not inappropriate uh, accounting. It's not where the money is. The money is when they have in a contract a container charge, where they charge you 25% of the value of a box of of, of like 40 CDs for the for the cardboard box that it's in. Hmm where they charge you for other things that they're not paying. In, in the, when a contract calls for payments for health, welfare, and pension payments to the union, and they don't pay them. Hmm. There are a lot of places where they're taking advantage of people, and I'm, the, I'm very happily there to testify for the artists to get them what they deserve.
0: Because, you
1: know, it, it, it's, a true talent is so rare.
0: How does an artist know that that they've got a good entertainment attorney? Because I think I think you're you're onto something here. Where someone sees, well, this person's specialty is they're an entertainment attorney, so they must know what you know what to look out for on my behalf. So
1: I think they need to find out who else they represented, what kind of cases they've done, what kind of results they've had. Mm. I think they need to ask the important questions: Where do you think I'm getting st- stolen from? What okay. can you do for me? How do you protect me?
0: Mm -hmm. How do you
1: make it better for me? How can I end up, you know, in in a position where a label is going to treat me better? You know, uh, I look and I see some of the old contracts. We bought up, I, I personally bought up the catalogs of a lot of older companies. And the royalty rate on some of those contracts are ridiculous. Two cents a song. Wow. So what I did for the most part we went back to the artists or States in that case and we said here's what we're going to do we have the right to only pay you two cents a song mm-hmm. i think it's ridiculous give me a couple of pictures no one's ever seen that we could use for album covers and we'll change the royalty rate to 12 percent
0: wow wow
1: that's fair and we did that we've done it with a lot of people uh, right now in our record labels uh, established artists who come to us. with finished product. We do 50-50 deal.
0: Wow. No, rec-
1: no recoupable costs.
0: That way, they're responsible. of bringing an album to us, and we're going to pay for all the marketing and promotion. And have you cut criticism from other record labels for operating that way? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, there's a lot of people who don't like me, but it's another story. <laughs> I don't care. You know, uh, we can, there was a a press release about it called the Dinosaurs. You know, I guess myself and a bunch of other people have been around a long time. When we do something, you know, we do it the way we believe it's best or what's best for the artist. It it can't just be about anything else. You know, the music business is a music business. If it's done properly, an artist can do well. Uh, go back to what it was all started out for and the purpose, and people don't understand that. The recording industry was started as a way to promote artists. Because if their songs are heard on the radio, there'll be, there's more demand for them to work. And because there's more, more demand for work, the more radio play, the less promoters have to lay out to advertise, the more they can pay the artist. Hmm. And in general, like here's, for instance, the Rolling Stones that make 35, 40 million a man on the road, they may not they don't make that kind of money. From 20 years of record sales.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, it's it's just what the right thing about it. You know, and it's understandable. You know, I've had agents say to me, I like the act, but not well known enough, and we don't want to push a rock up a hill. Give me somebody who's on the radio where there's a lot of demand, I'll book them all day. Mm. And, uh, you know, in the age of streaming, it's come down to what do you want to hear? Who do yeah. you want to hear? Yeah. And why do you want to hear? I think young artists forget that there's like 40, 50 million songs on iTunes.
0: Well, and I like that you talked about rehearsal, because I think that's another thing that young artists forget about, or they think that they don't need to rehearse. And for you to say, you know, the importance that you saw in your career with that, that to me is a key that more or less shows how dedicated you are to your craft, that you are willing to put in the time to rehearse, no matter how many years you've you've done it.
1: I think it has to come down to uh, a musician is not what you do, it's who you are. You know, um, anybody can play guitar. It could be a hobby. If you have to do it, mm. but you can't not do it, then it's who you are.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: You know, uh, those are the people who, even writing songs, uh, John Lennon, yeah, I, I have, I have, I think, 10 different versions of Imagine hmm. uh, John, working out in the studio because he wasn't sure which, the right arrangement. So, so many different times, sit down and, and in like, fact, I did about 10, 12 days of eight-hour days of working on the one song hmm. to get it right, you know. Um, Harry Nelson, you know um, Harry wanted uh, I guess the Lord must be in New York City to be a Midnight Cowboy that's the song he wanted in there but they heard the, the Fred Neal song he did Everybody's Talking About Me and they wanted to use that instead <laughs> but man you get both songs in the movie anyway but you know Harry he talent he was having an argument with somebody, and he finally gave up. He said, you get your point of view, I have my point of view. We all have our wrong point of view. Mm-hmm. He,
0: on one napkin, and he wrote The Point.
1: Hmm. And he wrote the animated thing, The Point was far. Yeah.
0: yeah, it sounds like you're talking about the difference between a song being good versus being good enough.
1: Well, it's, it's a matter of, I think, I've heard this from a few different songwriters. It's like a birth of a baby.
0: Yep.
1: It's that idea. And the idea stays with you. And sometimes it's just you know, a guitar lick that starts. Sometimes it's it's, it's lyric. Every writer writes differently. <clears throat> but working on it and working on it and getting it right. That's
0: right, that's right. So I'll
1: go back to I'll go back to the to the people I consider the greats. Sammy Davis rehearsed them every day. Mm. After being in show business for the time he was a little child, we did a show at the Copacabana one night in the late 1960s. And after the show, we said we weren't tight enough. Three o'clock in the morning, the band was back on stage at the Copacabana rehearsing his show. Oh my gosh.
0: Band. Oh my gosh.
1: Ella Fitzgerald always had to, she'd say to her son, she'd say to Junior, I have to go. He'd say, I started looking around. I knew she had to go back out in the road. She couldn't stay home that long. She had to be out performing. Hmm. They lived on stage. You know, <clears throat> Sinatra rehearsing all the time. Frank in the studio with the Nelson Riddle Orchestra, you know. And we couldn't fit the whole uh, orchestra in uh, Studio A and, and Capitol, so we used the stage at Warner Brothers.
0: And listeners, if those legends could rehearse and rehearse and rehearse all those years into their career, you can rehearse. And... I'm glad that Shelley used the the term babies because you know that you've heard me on episodes of the show talking about songwriters feel like those are their babies when when they put a song out there so it it is very personal it's something that I don't want to continue on this. You've heard me say it on enough episodes. Uh, By the way, if you're new to now hear this entertainment, thank you so much for checking out this episode. I hope you'll go back and check out lots of others. Uh, For example, episode 129 with Tony Michaelitas. He's a Brit now living here in Florida. His story isn't too different from Shelley's in that he worked with many big names too, including U2, David Bowie, The Police, REM, Bob Marley, Matchbox 20. And if you're wondering... As you're listening, if this is your first time, if you're wondering how I'm able to keep putting out a new episode on time every week for now four and a half years, it's thanks in large part to TASCAM. Guys like Tony Michaelides and Shelley Leibowitz likely were around lots of TASCAM gear over their years <laughs> in the recording industry. I've got yeah. state-of-the-art recording equipment here that I'm using, and listeners, you can too. Their DA3000 digital recorder will help you record your live shows if you're just doing some home recording and need an audio interface for your guitar, your vocals, you can use the Tascam Mini Studio Creator, which is what I'm actually patched in through right now. They're also real close to rolling out a new mixer that's already creating a buzz. Check it all out on their newly relaunched website, Tascam.com. They just redid their site very, very recently. That's T-A-S-C-A-M.com. Shelly, similar to what you were talking about. I want to get back to the the other criticism of yours that's out there, self-publishing artists. uh, You're you're critical of them. One second before you go any further, I just Uh wanted to say one thing.
1: TASCAM has always made some of the finest equipment available. And a lot lot of people will take a TASCAM unit, one of many different ones, and plug into the board at a live date, and it can get a really decent mix of their live show that they can listen to later on and to dig and self-critique and see what they need to improve
0: yeah i love that you said that i'm i'm a i'm a big advocate and and listeners if you're a performer same thing with video look at your show look at how you look on stage because yep. you're seeing it from the stage look and see what the audience sees when when they're in their perspective and and what can you change about your show yeah i remember i go back to CBGBs in new
1: york Um, I think it was uh, U2. No, it wasn't U2. It was um, uh, Blondie. And Debbie Harry said, well, we had a great time. I said, you know what? I'm glad, but it's really more about whether the audience had a great time.
0: (laughs) Well said. I like that. I like that. Well, let's get back to uh, your two critiques. The other was about You also criticized self-publishing artists advocating small independent labels as the best avenue for developing great talent. Go ahead and delve into that.
1: Well, first of all, in terms of self-publishing, I think the artists are cheating themselves. They don't realize it. Uh, A decent publishing agreement with a decent publishing company. Aside from uh, when you sign with a major label, they want, you know, three quarters of everything. Most publishing agreements are the 50-50 with the publishing company, they don't touch artists' royalties at all, writers' royalties, and they get 50% for doing their end, which is collection of of royalties and all kinds of uh, places where you should be getting paid, aside from they have the people to place your songs with other artists to get recorded, also for commercials and other things things that you're not capable of doing yourself because you don't you're not in that business you, your business should be the artist mm-hmm. you know uh, and a label you need labels for one reason a label is going to market and promote you you know you're not in that business either it costs money and get the right connections for radio get the right connections you know for, for to get any kind of placement and marketing and and get any action and you, truthfully to get work, uh, usually, an agent is going to say, who's your label? Uh, they want people to work with. They, they you also want you to have a manager, usually. Because booking agents are salespeople. Now, let's be honest. They're working on commission. So they want somebody who's being well-promoted, which is where the label comes in. See so where radio, is demand for you. But also because they don't want to deal with the artist. They're salespeople. First. They want to deal with a manager. And they say to the manager, push the label to do this to do that, you know, you have to look at what's best for yourself and if you're an artist, be an artist you know, it, once you make enough money where you can hire your own people to do all this stuff in-house that's another story but there's exactly. a reason why people like, you know the top acts of all time didn't have their own publishing people they didn't have their own marketing and promotion people at their own record label, because they couldn't afford to pay everybody. If you want people to do those jobs, you have to be prepared to pay them. I'd rather see an artist take the time to be an artist. You know, be the best song you can be, be the best guitar player, be the best singer. Concentrate on who you are that makes you unique from everyone else.
0: Yeah, I love that you're bringing this up. And listeners, I did not put Shelley up to this. But you know, I have for years, I have said, that is the benefit of having someone working for you, is you should be focusing on your music on your show. If you're too busy trying to book your own gigs, if you're too busy trying to, and the list goes on, all these different hats that you're trying to wear, and then someone says, well, what have you written lately? And you say, well, I really haven't had much time. I really haven't written anything in a while. Or, you know, what's different about your show since I last saw you? Well, I really haven't had time to change anything. Why not? And it's because you're trying to do too much.
1: They shouldn't be businessmen. You know what I mean? They should just be an artist. Because when you're an artist, that's what matters. You know, that's why people want you, because you're unique. You know, I mean, you're too busy trying to do do business. You're not busy trying to create and be an artist. And it it's like two different worlds, and they do not blend together like fingers interlocking. Yeah, yeah. They just don't. They're, they're diametrically opposed to one another. One other thing. One other thing. I'll say, and, and I just used, used to get this, you know, even from Clive Davis, we need another one of these. We need another one of those. No, we don't. <laughs> we need someone who's unique.
0: Absolutely. Don't
1: be anybody else? Be yourself.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: if you have talent, work it. Because talent itself is not enough. It takes hard work. If you really want to succeed in the music business, it's like any business. You have to work hard. There's a reason. Bruce Springsteen worked night after night, you know, for years in a bar. He was a bar band. You know, there's a reason with stuff like that, you know, and, and people got better. Then the more you work, the better you get. You get, can remember the Eagles or other groups, you know, the more they played together, the tighter
0: they got, the better the harmonies. Absolutely. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is In the quest to strive for positivity. Be honest with yourself when it comes to meetings and conversations. Don't start telling others and yourself that something went really great unless you are rock solid confident. I have a pile of CDs that I've never listened to from artists who hand them to me to listen to too hastily. Don't tell yourself or others that someone is going to get back to you about your music, about a booking, about a sponsorship, whatever, when you aren't even sure that the other person felt the same way about the discussion as you did. Wait until there's some meaningful follow-up and some momentum so that you don't get yourself down when you never hear back, all because you felt that giving them a CD meant you were going to get something from them. As I said that I have experienced as the receiver myself, there's always a chance that you handed it over too fast in the first place, especially if the other person didn't ask for it. Keep your chin up, stay positive, move on to the next thing. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away. I want to go back to that you talked about one of the things that a label can do for you is... You know, nowadays, everybody wants their song placed in film and television. Everybody is chasing the same thing. Everybody wants their song placed. How do I get film and TV placement? And Shelly, you said that's another one of the things that a label can do for you. So if you're trying to chase that yourself, again, it goes back to what Shelly's saying, that you're taking time away from what you truly should be doing, from working on your craft. Let the label go get your music placed in film and television because they have the connections.
1: It's also a matter of knowing what the you know, the fees should be and then negotiate them. Hmm. You know, we have, fortunately, we have music supervisors coming to us because we have a big catalog, you know, about 7,000 songs by major artists. So they come for certain things for certain purposes. But, you know, there's other times where, you know, you say, hey, this song would be perfect for this commercial. So you need someone who knows how to get to that company. And it's not all right. We have a vegetable song. It's not about getting a bird's eye. It's about getting to the people doing the commercials for bird's eye. Then, who who is doing who is doing the you know the the song placement? You know, yeah, that people know how to do this and how to approach.
0: Yeah, I love that you said that the label is also going to know what the fees should be because if you're an individual artist working on your own and you do get fortunate enough to get placement they're going to tell you, oh, this is what we pay everybody, don't worry. And you're going to say, well, I guess I have to believe them, and you're just going to be so tickled that your music is being used in film or television. You're going to think, well, I was hoping it would be more than that, but oh, well, this is going to look Uh great on my resume, and little do you know that the label probably could have gotten you more.
1: You know, it's great, and it's great promotion to have a song that's played on a national commercial. But I can tell you that I know one person that— was approached for a commercial, and it was a six-month run for Northeast for Chevrolet, and it was for the song um, Sleepwalk with Santo and Johnny. And it meant to Johnny Free and they gave Johnny Free to $25,000. He was thrilled.
0: Hmm.
1: The fee should have been 95000 mm, Wow. Wow. Plus close to the same amount for the music publishing rights for, to sink it. So he would have made the, the 95 plus half of the other 95.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Instead he got 25 grand, he was happy he didn't help because he didn't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a great example, a great, great case study. Here's the reality. If you get a really good manager,
1: you got to pay him. But a really good manager, you're going to make sure you make a lot more money You get a label that's behind you. See, the hardest thing in this business sometimes is people who believe in you. Talk is cheap. (laughs) But if you get even an independent label who believes in you will say, hey, look, here's what you should do. Take a little experience here. You know, listen to this. Listen to that. Try to do this. Try to do that. then maybe you get this and get that done. I know right now there's so many radio stations. I know... um, one of the things that we do, it's like 44,000 stations. Because there's so many between the United States, Canada, Europe, Australia. Just try to get to something started. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it's aside from like radio pluggers in the U.S. Mm-hmm. That's all separate. You need people to do this stuff, but you have to have somebody who believes in you.
0: Absolutely. And you have
1: to be willing to do your part. Absolutely. Because, you, know, you can sign a contract, and a record company can promote it, and if you don't get out and work it, it doesn't matter. Because if you do get out and work, you're not going to make money.
0: Yeah, I wanted to go back to a great quote that you just said a few minutes ago. I feel that it bears repeating because, listeners, as I said before, Shelley is very much an artist advocate. He may sound like he's outspoken on these issues, but it's because he's passionate about it, and he wants to help artists understand what they need to do to be successful to make a living in the music business. And you heard him a few minutes ago. He said, talent is not enough. You need to work hard.
1: It really is. You know, there's not enough great talent. You know, if you look around the world, everybody trying to knock off what comes out of the United States. But they can't knock off American talent. We generate the best talent on the planet. We just don't. And you know, talent is unique, it's so valuable. I can't imagine uh, not having music everywhere. If you think about it, every movie, everything, without without music in it, it sounds hollow, it sounds fake, it sounds unreal. And an original song is so wonderful, it's so important. Music itself is so important, but you have to work at it. If you wanna be good, you have to practice, you have to rehearse, you have to improve can always be better and I, I just, I love I love music, I love artists, I help, help artists anytime I can. I give advice to anybody who's really worth talking to, you know, um, I want to see people just be the best they can be and uh, I know that they're there and I'm thankful for somebody like Bruce who's making sure that the word gets out of what you need to do and people know that we care because as an industry as a whole, we do. We cherish what we have. Because, you know, no one else can do it, but they would be doing it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like that. Well, Shelly, as you know, there are listeners to this show who are singers, songwriters, artists, musicians, uh, aspiring entertainers who subscribe to this podcast so they can hear tips each week from me and my guests to get ahead in their performance career. So now that I've got a guest on who is with a record label, I know those folks are going to want me to ask you what it takes for them to get signed (laughs) to a record label. So, you know, as much as we talked about talent and hard work, what else can you give them as a takeaway? Is it knowing the right person? Is it being at the right place at the right time? Is it submit, 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 and eventually someone's got to give you a break? What's your advice on this?
1: I'll put it down into basics. Make sure you have your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> if, you want to, if you want to make a presentation to a label, like one of my labels or any other label, make sure you have it together. Have a bio, have whatever press clippings, have information on your stuff, have a couple, at least a couple of demo songs. You know, the rule of law that from the time I started going back to Canadian, American, capital, roulette, any labels, we listened to like the three songs by any artist. If we didn't get hooked on something within the first 30 seconds on, on those songs, we passed on them. Make sure you put your best foot forward and work hard if you really want to do it. And if you were rejected, keep going. If it's who you are, you always keep going. You're always going to get better. You know, John Lennon thought his early stuff was crap.
0: Hmm. You know, uh,
1: a lot of people felt that way.
0: Let's see. I you love know? the encouragement of of putting your best foot forward and having a complete press kit and and all the materials from the from the get go. Because I think Shelley, that too many artists feel, well, my music will sell itself. I don't really have a, a real good press kit, you know. But and they take the Indiana Jones attitude, which is, I'll just make it up as I go along. And I think the labels are going to see right through it that, you know, this person's music might be decent, but.
1: I think what you need to do, I think they need to put themselves in the other person's shoes for a minute. If you were the guy on the other end and somebody just gave you a song and and a couple of notes in an email and the song was kind of rough, there's something there, but it's kind of rough. You can sign them. No. Yep. If you're lucky, what they can do is come back and say, I, I kind of like it, but here's what you need to do. Exactly. You know, try to do this, try to do that. Give me a couple of other things. Let me see some pictures. Give me something.
0: Exactly. If you
1: want me to believe in you, give me a reason.
0: Shelly, who is who is out there in 2018 that is doing it right? That Meaning that you admire not only their music, but you admire the way they carry themselves, the way they do business. You know, I, mm-hmm. I guess someone who's the whole package, not only good talent-wise, but Great image and kind of a, hey, folks, you know, follow this guy or this gal or this band's blueprint and and you likely will see fruits of your labor.
1: Bruno Mars. Hmm.
0: Wow, you didn't even have to think about it. I like that. Not at
1: all. Imagine Dragon. You know, there are people that just kick ass. You know, even Justin Timberlake and he's doing it all. You know, but Bruno has this great image. Uh, Bruno is like a modern day. Um, version of Prince in a lot of ways. You know, Bruno just really knows how to perform. He's a world class performer. He works his ass off. He rehearses big time. You know, he's one of those people like the Rolling Stones that going to training before they go out on the road. You know, they're going out, they're going to do it. They're going to give you your money's worth. They're going to thrill you. Mm. Not only with their songs, But their presentation on stage of their performance, the length of their performance, the structure of the show, all of it. They're going to leave you walking out of that place going, holy crap, (laughs) I can't wait to see them again. And you don't stop talking about them to everybody you know.
0: Exactly. That's what does it.
1: Then they want to own some of it. Then they want to get a couple of songs that they can keep playing. But you have to give them a reason. Yep. Yep. And there's so much great talent out there that it doesn't understand. If they're just nurtured a little bit. And sometimes it's a family that doesn't nurture them. You know, it's not something to be in. You shouldn't be in a music business. It's not stable. You can't count on it. You'll get a job selling shoes. Do something. where You know, <laughs> you know sometimes that's what family does because they get protective. But you know what? If you have it, you have it you know it
0: that's right if you
1: know it deep down in your soul don't give up
0: yeah it's not that you have it because somebody told you that you do you you know in your in your blood you know in your bones that you have it and you don't need someone to tell you that you have it you, you and know you'll it. know it yeah
1: <laughs> my father used to say there's something seriously wrong with you and I go I know thank you, <laughs> oh, that's but you know, good but stuff. I always look at it the same way and I've had this conversation with probably a hundred top name stars. There are two kinds of people. There are music and entertainment people, and then there are civilians. Mm. And if you're one of us, you're not one
0: of them. (laughs) I like that. I (laughs) like that. I know you're one of us. Listeners, we can talk about it if Shelley wants, but he has been there, done that. Back in the day, he was part of an act out of New York City called The Phantoms, Shelley on guitar and vocals, and yours truly, too. I do this podcast every week based on my many years of experience running Now Hear This Incorporated, which specializes in management, promotion, and booking. And yes, I, too, play guitar. Specifically, I play an acoustic from Boulder Creek Guitars, which I absolutely love. The warm tones I get from this thing... Mm, and uh, it's, it's in large part because of their suspended bracing system. Check out the explanatory videos that they have to see what that means, what suspended bracing system means, why it makes them so different from other guitar makers, and why big names. Lee Bryce, Sarah McLaughlin, uh, players from Fleetwood Mac, Rascal Flats, Three Doors Down, play instruments from Boulder Creek Guitars. It's bouldercreekguitars.com, and that's b-o-u-l-d-e-r, bouldercreekguitars.com. And yes, really, the info about Shelley's background, performing with the Phantoms, and then all the big names I talked about that he has worked with over the years, it can all be found on his website, shellyliebowitz.com. We, of course, will have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. And there are links there to find Shelley on Facebook, Twitter, and even YouTube and LinkedIn. You will also find information there on how to purchase Shelley's book. I mentioned that back in the intro It's called Doing It on the Downbeat. And when I talked about how he and I believe the old, if you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk cliche, you can tap into my years of experience doing management promotion and booking through a private one-on-one video consultation. There's 15, 30, and 60-minute sessions available. Schedule a time with me so we can look at what's needed for your particular situation to keep your entertainment career moving forward instead of stuck in a particular spot, just go to nowhearthis.biz, that's H-E-A-R, nowhearthis.biz, and there's an article right there entitled Video Consultations Now Available, and it contains the link to go book with me. Very cool. Send them your demos. Send them your demos. <laughs> Shelly, doing it on the downbeat. Tell the listeners more about your book. You know, I've had so many pictures, and
1: I share pictures quite often on Facebook and Twitter Everybody said to me, why don't you put a, at least a, a book together with the photos? And I started to look, and I had about six, 7,000 photos. Oh, my gosh. How had a way to figure this out. So we just did an abbreviated thing. It's like 50-some-odd pages. And, you know, it's uh, pictures you wouldn't expect to see. You know, like Mike Bloomfield uh, and Al Cooper with uh, Norman Rockwell. You know? <laughs> <laughs> You know, you, you, there's pictures of every major rock and music store you can think of.
0: Wow. And wow. it's
1: just a small fraction of, of stuff, but it's a, it's a nice inside look and it's not an expensive book.
0: I imagine it took you more time to figure out which pictures to put in than it did to, to actually <laughs> produce the book.
1: Yeah, you know, we tried to do the best I could. You know,
0: if I did the book that
1: the pub- publishers wanted to do, it would be too expensive for most people. Mm. You know, they were talking about doing a book, a very large format, and do like three, four hundred pages. I said, "Who's going to buy it? It's too expensive." Wow! So we tried to do something that you know was like in the you know thirty dollar range. You um, know, people can afford it.
0: I really admire your attitude. It, it's very consistent throughout, and it's uh, it's rare. So uh, my my hat is off to you for that. Well, I don't wear hats. So we're even. <laughs> uh, you're a good person to ask this to. I, I often find myself wondering what it's going to take to keep the sound alive that seems to be fading away. I'm thinking of years ago when pop ballads, a, adult contemporary music from, gosh, a long line of people, uh, you know, Stephen Bishop, Gino Vanelli, Dan Fogelberg, Barry Manlow, you get the picture. And those, those were a staple on radio. And now it seems like, you know, with few exceptions, You know, maybe Michael Bublé, Josh Groban, I don't know who else. Maybe Sam Smith. No one is really doing that style consistently. You know, you might get a pop artist that throws out one ballad, but in other words, it's not their typical sound. There's a reason for it. Yeah, I'm glad. I was going to ask you if you agree with me, and if so, why that is.
1: It goes back to songwriters. It's a lack of songwriters.
0: When everybody's writing,
1: you know, the people are going back to the songbooks, to going back to classics. Because people aren't producing new classics. And yeah, I said it to Snoop Dogg people are not going to be humming what you're doing in the shower two years from now. <laughs> they just won't be. And music publishing has been really hurt because of that. But the reality is, it's hard to write a really good ballad, it's hard to know the structure of a song. And most people, they're not teaching song structure. They're not teaching people about, you know, verse, chorus, verse, where bridge goes, how to build a quality song, what what uh, consists of, of a really good hook that people will remember.
0: Hmm.
1: So people turn around like Michael Bublé and go back and look at the standards, and they start recording the standards. Yeah, those songs are beautiful. And how? You know, look at Billy Joel's catalog.
0: Oh, gosh.
1: Uh, there's certain people, you know, there's certain songs. Even Nile Rogers, some of the stuff he did, like the stuff he did with uh, with Prince and with other people. You know, the, the great songs are great songs. And that's what it's going to come down to. Don't worry too much about image, worry more about song. If you write a great song, people don't care if you have a bag on your head. That's <laughs> really the truth. Because let's be honest. Your first impression of, of a song is you hear it. You don't see
0: it. Yeah, well said, well said. And listeners, I'd be remiss because Shelley mentioned Billy Joel. If I didn't mention, if you've not heard them before, go back and listen to episodes 150 and 170 of this show. Episode 150, I interviewed Mike Del Judas, who is on tour with Billy Joel playing guitar and doing vocals. And episode 170, I interviewed Carl Fisher, who also tours with Billy Joel playing trumpet. So go back and listen to those. We're just about out of time, Shelly, but just for fun, since I mentioned earlier about your your early days with the Phantoms, do you ever play anymore? Do you have a guitar around that you pick up once in a while?
1: Every once in a while. I wanted to take a minute. I hope you don't mind. I wanted to just say that the passing of Aretha Franklin is just another indication of a generation that we're losing a generation of really great performers, a great entertainer. Sarita was a wonderful, wonderful woman. Aside from being a terrific talent, she will be greatly missed. I've think been seeing too much of that lately. You know, um, and it, it's hard sometimes. Uh, for me personally, it's like uh, I'm losing a lot of friends, people I've known for so many years.
0: Mm.
1: You know, it's uh, uh, my friend Russ Regan passed away recently. Russ started uh, junior records. He helps up Motown with Barry Gordy. Uh, he discovered Elton John and Neil Diamond wow. and a bunch of other people. and wow. he just The Beach Boys, he just passed away. This, it's like uh, a great talent, doesn't I mean, Like Aretha? You never hear a voice like that again. Some of the great voices of our time that are passing. That's why I'd like to see more people concentrate on their craft. Absolutely. Be the best singer you can be.
0: Absolutely. And listeners, ironically enough, in the blog section of NHTE.net, I published something that I wrote on the heels of Aretha Franklin's passing, which was a callback to year, a year and a half ago when I did a blog after Al Jarreau passed away. Mm-hmm. There's even a photo in there of me with Al Jarreau from back in 2001. Shelley, we're going to close today with Al Jarreau singing the Al Green hit, Let's stay together. But before we let you go, though, tell the listeners why we're playing this, your connection to this song.
1: Uh, I got to say this. Al Giro came to California. He was struggling. He was trying to make a living. And a friend of mine had a record called Sam, Sound Like Music. He only put out 8-track tapes. And it would say, like, you know, Bill Withers hits in tiny letters as sung by. (laughs) (laughs) He signed Al to do two albums, and we did two. We did Bill Withers' greatest hits, sung by Aldro, and Al Green's, sung by Aldro. Wow! The song you're about to play is from the Al Green album, and it has become a big fan favorite, streamed constantly on Apple Music and Spotify, hmm. and it's just terrific. Al was terrific. Beautiful. Al-
0: Beautiful. Yes. Great. Yes, he was. He's. he's He's dearly missed uh, by, by by me and, and I know legions of others. As you said, Shelley, we're, we're losing far too many of the good ones.
1: Yes, we are.
0: If you get a chance to, check out Ray Brown
1: Jr. He's like taking the place of Al mm. It's Ellis' son. He's okay. got that kind of smooth, wonderful sound. By the, by the way, if anybody wants to come to our record company website, you can listen to full songs free. Not clips, full songs. Hundreds wow.
0: of songs, major artists. Wow. SRI Records dot com. Enjoy. Give them that website address one more time. SRIRecords dot com. Wonderful. Shelly, thank you so much. This has been really, really enjoyable. I'm really glad to finally get you on. I appreciate your time and, 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 and your 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 passion, your attitude. It's it's just it's very refreshing. Thank you so much.
1: Well thank you for doing what you do. Absolutely.
0: Listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to record executive, producer, promoter, and manager Shelly Lebowitz. Do make sure that you visit his website, ShellyLebowitz.com. You can get the proper spelling of his name by looking at the title of this episode on your listening device. Plus, we will have a link to his site on the show page for this episode at nhte.net, as well as links to those other episodes that I have mentioned. Once you are on shellyliebowitz.com, look for the icons to go to his social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And be sure to also look for the information on his site relative to purchasing his book, Doing It on the Downbeat. And as I mentioned before, if you need help with your entertainment career, let's have a private one-on-one video consultation which you can schedule with me by simply going to nowhearthis.biz, where you will see the article called Video Consultations Now Available. That will get you on your way to where you can book with me for a 15, 30, or 60-minute personal session, and we will work on your top challenges so you can keep your career moving forward. Thanks ever so much for listening. We'll send you out with the song that Shelley just talked about. This is Al Jarreau singing Let's Stay Together. So good.